You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Mindy Chang, here to help you find your voice. Hope you're doing well and staying healthy. And thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode. Y'all better be still doing the masks and the washing your hands and social distancing, especially if you're in America, because we are the worst. We're actually not technically the worst. I think we're like the third worst depending on what data you're looking at. But considering how much we front about how great we are in America, we're the worst. Um, And it's a humbling moment. It's a lesson learned, right? Very important time to take responsibility for all of the nonsense and grow up and move on. We're going to be better. Um, But yeah, be safe, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in for last week's episode. It really means a lot to me. It was the third anniversary episode, first of all. And... A pretty intense one on inner child trauma and healing and letting go of the past. And uh, I just really appreciate anybody who tuned in and listened empathetically with compassion and shared space because that was a doozy. It was a lot for me to let out, but I'm very grateful that I was able to do that, share that with you all. And I'm really, really moved by the response. Um, I got some messages of... of gratitude and very vulnerable sharing and I just want to say you know I'm not I first of all (laughs) I didn't think I was going to be here I didn't think I was going to do this many episodes I was just giving it a shot to see where it goes and I didn't think that I'd be sharing so much of myself in terms of like my past and my what was happening in my life real time and it's been really really liberating really just eye-opening for me and I just didn't know that I would be here and I didn't ever aspire to have like millions of listeners that idea actually scares me slash scared the crap out of me to think that that many people would listen to what I had to say so yeah anyway we'll get into that actually that's next week's episode on uh, stop playing small but Suffice it to say, I just, I didn't know really what I was aiming for when I started this. I didn't know what kind of reach I would have. I don't have a gazillion followers or listeners, and I don't even know if that's what I I want per se, but what I care about is making an impact. And what I care about is having something valuable to share with somebody else because I have learned so much from other things that other people have shared. That's all I wanted to do. So when I get these messages of gratitude, it genuinely... Like I'm shook, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know I would have that kind of impact and to know that it is doing that in somebody else's life and making somebody feel less alone and like they're not crazy and that, you know, that their wounds and their traumas are not, that they're not uh, something to isolate themselves with. That just, it seriously means the entire universe and then some to me. It really motivates me to share more and not give up on this thing, you know, not use all these external factors as measuring sticks of whether something is successful or not. It genuinely makes me feel like I have succeeded. Like I've done something really valuable and worthwhile. So thank you. Thank you to everybody who took the time to listen. And thank you to those who 
took time and energy and effort and vulnerability to share their story with me. It's really touching. I truly appreciate it. And now we're going to talk about K-dramas. I think it's so funny that I've just done this energetic shift from like a huge 180 going from inner child trauma, which is very real. And I hope that you tune in for that when you're ready um, to talk about K-dramas because <laughs> I'm just laughing, guys. Um, you'll hear about it in this episode. It's it's quite a lengthy one, but I'm all about crash landing on you. It is um, a reintroduction for me after... 15 years of not watching any K-dramas, of having a lot of prejudices and issues with my identity, my culture that I'll share with uh, my guest. And yeah, I just want to dive right into it. This week's guest is my friend Joe Gunawan, who is a longtime, first of all, listener. He's a Patreon supporter, but he's a dear friend of mine in the industry in LA. And he's just a bright soul. Like He and I talk about so many different things, different movies and um, the industry itself and, and about our personal lives. And and um, as we've grown in our friendship, you know, I've just really come to value his voice because he's so insightful, right? Um, not right. You'll you'll get to hear. So a little bit about Joe. He is a first first assistant camera and a camera operator. So he's the guy carrying all the big gear and handling camera equipment on set. And um, his journey as a as a camera operator has just been really fascinating for me to learn in terms of the life uh, as production crew and the person kind of behind the scenes watching and making everything happen and he's done incredible work over the years he's worked on projects with oprah with bts future daya lauren conrad dumbfounded disney jaguar gucci like victoria's secret he and all from very humble beginnings like joe is such a wonderful person so i'm really really honored that he sat down with me because we were gushing over <laughs> crash landing on you together through facebook messenger and i was like joe we need to talk about this we need to share our love because we both genuinely loved hearing about other people um doing their analysis or their bts factoids and all that stuff this is what happens when you get into something you know you just dive right in this is what happened when i was 10 and i got obsessed with titanic you know what I mean? So here I am in my mid-30s uh, talking about Crash Landing on You and K-dramas and fate. We're also here to talk about fate and love. Um, so big things, little things, everything in between. I hope that you enjoy this. And just an FYI, if you have not watched Crash Landing on You and you want to and you don't want spoilers, do not listen to this episode. Come back and listen to it after you've fallen in love and have all the feels and like... You know, you want a fangirl and fanboy with us. We're here for you. We're not going anywhere. But there are tons of spoilers because we're just going to break break it all down and give our perspectives on it. And and get to know a little bit about what's happening in Joe's love life, which makes me so happy because it's so sweet. But yeah, without any further ado, please enjoy this episode on Crash Landing on You and Fate with Joe Gunawan. Enjoy. I get the secret safe, sick in a secret way. Hi, Joe. Hey, what's up, Minji? How is it going? I'm great. I'm great. You know, just chilling here in pre-COVID, actually post-COVID-19. You know, living your best quarantine life. Yeah, yeah. A good old. It's not post-COVID-19. Just kidding. It's still COVID-19. Right. We're still in the first wave. If people haven't been uh, staying on top of this news. It's great. Oh my gosh. It's just so insane out there. Yeah. Well, you've been like, honestly, it's really funny because 
there's certain friends I was mentioning, you know, earlier episodes about how different friends take on different roles during quarantine. Like they're like the updater on the political side. Some of them are like the health experts. Some of them are like the DIY project person. (laughs) And you've been really (laughs) active in like staying on top of the news. So I feel like you've been a consistent voice in my my news feed. Yeah, you know, I feel like I want to give people the information, but also give space to debate and, you know, let's face it, kind of see who's out there and what they're thinking about and hopefully educate them a little bit too. Yeah. I think it's a constant flow of like educating and getting educated. And that's honestly pretty, not, I don't know if brave is the right word, but I feel like that's a big move to make because I feel like so many people are preserving their sanity and they're not going to invite that kind of discussion into their life. They're like, you think what you think and I'll think what I think. Okay, bye. Oh, for sure. And I think it's just a matter of kind of grounding yourself. You know, it's like, hey, this is all about the science behind it. You know, try not to get succumbed to the politics of it. And there's a lot of politics, sadly, in our nation (laughs) compared to other nations. Right. And if we're able to weed that out, a lot of the misinformation, especially wearing masks, you know, I love to say that, hey, you know, if carbon dioxide was a big deal with the mask, all of Asia would have been in big trouble because everybody wore masks there. Exactly. And that's not the case. Well, this could easily become a podcast episode to discuss the politics, the science behind COVID-19. But we're going to do a 180 here because you and I (laughs) are here to talk about something very different. And I'm like, it's really kind of hilarious to me how excited i've been to like talk about this with you <laughs> because we're here to I've talk about k-dramas about oh my gosh yeah i really so. has gone into i really have gone into k-dramas because of this lockdown you know it's and, like oh what else is there to watch what is there to watch and then people keep saying k-drama and then people are saying crash landing on you and then here we are right so before we get into that, I kind of want to say, I already mentioned this in in the um, the intro for the episode is I have been on like a hiatus from K-dramas and I've had like my own mixed feelings about them. And I'm very conscious of the fact that it's not everybody's cup of tea. So you've already been warned in the intro. If this is not your cup of tea, if you don't care to listen about Crash Landing on you, then you may, you've been warned again. And so you may exit now, but also... You might learn something. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is that we're going to discover, but I, I feel like a, a renewed person in a way. It's like it's a weird awakening. Okay, that sounds so dramatic, but we're just going to go there. This episode is all about just like letting out all of my true thoughts and feelings on this because here we are. Like we're in a pandemic. We're all obsessing about different things. I'm just going to be as honest as I can about my feelings on Korean dramas and how much this stupid drama, not stupid, uh, how much this drama has like changed my life. And who knows? Who knows what kind of epiphanies we, we, will, we will ignite in other people. <laughs> so anyways, I made that disclaimer because um, a lot of the topics that have been on my podcast have been pretty heavy. And, and that's great. And then also, we're going to fangirl over Crash Landing on You. And fanboy. And fanboy. You ready, yes, Joe? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. By the way, quick question. Is yeah. this, how many K-dramas have you watched? Because this is actually my first one. Yeah, that's I've what I was going to- I've never watched gonna, K-drama before. I was literally going to ask you that because that was, that was one of my introductory questions to this whole discussion. Um, I've watched a lot. 
but I haven't watched any in the last almost 15 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I haven't watched, let me further detail, I haven't watched a full drama from start to finish in 15 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's been a long time. So um, There's been a big wave in the last 15 years, right? Like the rising popularity. Exactly. I mean, on here's my thing. I am from the old school. I want people to understand your context too. And like, I want you to introduce yourself. But for mine, like I have, I'm Korean American. I grew up watching dramas and series since I was actually a kid. And then I also was a really big fan in the 90s K-pop era. So personally, I feel like it's different. People get very territorial about like hip hop or music or whatever, right? They're like, oh, you think you know funk? Like, I knew funk before it was a thing. Like, there's that kind of feeling. Um, Mm. For me, K-pop is like way before Wonder Girls and like Big Bang. There was a huge generation of K-pop in the 90s and like honestly late 80s too. I mean, it started way back when. So um, I watched like OG K-dramas. There's one called Moreshige, which is the time. What is it? The stand. What are they called? The, the hourglass. Moreshige is like an it's hourglass. That's what it translates ah. to. But that's the one of the early ones that I watched in the 90s. And that was like so gangster. It was like a Sopranos version of K-drama. It was like high oh, drama. Yeah. So yeah, I, Wait, that's so, my so, generation. So the one that Jumok, the K-pop, the fanboy of K-pop. I mean, not K-pop. K-dramas. Mm-hmm. The K-drama that he watched, is that part of that generation? The that Jumak Kim, I'm not sure. Likes. I don't. I don't even know who that is. He's the. He's one of the company five. That's okay. so obsessed with K drama. Okay. See, you know more. You're more up to speed. This is why I wanted to talk to you because. Oh. oh okay. You're you're helping me contextualize. So before we get it, so you're saying that this is the first time you ever watched a K drama, and yes. can you briefly introduce the listeners to like your background as an individual because. I've already mentioned that you're in the industry. You are a camera operator and an amazing one. Um, you're DP, right? Right, DP or I DP on a side. Mostly, I'm a local 600 first assistant camera. I'm also a camera operator okay. by trade, and you, I DP here and there. But mostly, you, that's what I do. You're a whiz with the lens. You are a camera person. You're a great like we talk shop about the industry. You you educate me on a lot of things. That's how I've like basically framed you. But like, how about Joe as a person? Like, where did where did you grow up? What's your background? You're not Korean. <laughs> I'm not Korean. I grew up in Indonesia and I moved in 80... Well, I don't want to... <laughs> well, I moved in 89. I moved in 89. I was really young. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I grew up mostly in LA. What part Listened of LA? To a lot of hip hop. Um, started out in Monterey Park for mm-hmm. a couple of years and then moved to Northridge. And Granada Hills since then. So I've been here for most of my life. Moved to Long Beach and OC for a little bit when I was a young adult. And then moved back to the Valley uh, because of the film industry. Very cool. Everything is so much, it's so much more convenient to live in LA when you're in the film industry. It is convenient. Even yeah. though there there's clearly content being created all over the world. Um, yes. But that's really cool. Like I, I actually didn't know that you moved that young. I just, because, you know, Joe, I always still get, get to know you and all of our friends. We're always learning more about each other. But mm-hmm. I feel like I learned some new factoids about you. And that's really cool. 
Um, and it's interesting to me. So I have a question. Since you grew up in SoCal, which is yes. heavily Korean-American influenced, more so than anywhere in the country, um, did you ever get exposed to like Korean culture via music or K-drama? Like, were you ever tempted? Did you ever like dabble in it or was it just completely out of your universe? For, I would say I didn't get into K-pop until I was in my 30s. And that was also because as I came back to LA and I started to hang out with more and more people who also go to K-Town, you know, K-Town's where it's at. That's where all the fun stuff is. <laughs> and I got exposed to a lot of K-pop music, especially like Four Minute. That was my jam right there, you know. Mm-hmm. And To Anyone. A lot yeah. Of yeah, know. And so that's kind of how I got into the whole Korean culture. The food, obviously, because that's where that's how you learn about other cultures anyways, through the food. Mm-hmm. The food and the music really led me there. And then also really good movies, you know, from Park Chung-wook and Bong Joon-ho. Yeah. So all their movies and mm-hmm. just these Korean auteurs opened my eyes to that side of the Korean cinema landscape i think one of my favorite movies besides parasite is still like the handmaiden i love that movie memories of murder that's not a great one interesting i swear yeah. i think you actually well we've talked about this because of parasite that could be a whole other conversation when we were breaking oh, down it. that movie um but i just feel like there's a knowledge that you have even more so about korean culture than i do and that's like that's just a real the reality of being Asian American or just identity in general. It's not just because you are a certain ethnicity. It doesn't mean you have that same baseline connection with your culture, right? Like I have cousins of mine who don't really speak Korean, right? And like mm. I happen to speak more Korean because of my parents. And honestly, because I was introduced to K-pop and K-drama so young and I was so attached to that, that, that was honestly a vehicle for me to learn Korean. So it's just kind of like everybody has their different entry point to culture and their interest in it is is really different, right? So it sounds like you've definitely like been introduced to that from, from, mu- from music and film. Yeah, funny tangent. I actually just started learning Korean because of K-drama. So I'm I learning the you, language. <laughs> you literally, Joe was, we were chatting about crash landing on you because he saw me gushing about it on my Instagram. And then he like, messages me on facebook in korean i'm like excuse me (laughs) he's like minji i'm learning korean now and i was like dang you're hella fast because i remember you mentioned like you're interested in like i think a day or two later you're typing in korean to me on facebook messenger yeah my my keyboard actually has korean letters the hangul on it so i could write in english and then change it real quick to hangul and then write that ridiculous that's so funny (laughs) okay well that that kind of contextualizes you know, how we were introduced is what I, I don't even know where to start. You, I'm actually going to throw the baton to you. How would you start talking about the wonder that is crash landing on you? So, you know, to give a little context on the time in case you guys hear this like a decade from now. Yeah. This happened in March, 2020, the lockdown. So just like anybody else, when you're stuck in the house, what do you do? It's like, oh. What's on Netflix? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you see Netflix, you see like the trending. It's like, what's trending? Blah, blah, blah. And I did not want to watch, what's that, Tiger King? Oh, yeah. Ti- I still haven't watched that. Everybody yeah. and their mothers watch that. Everybody's watching that. And I'm like, 
this looks so trashy. I really don't want to watch that. And then let's see what else is there. It's like, oh, there's a lot of Korean stuff. So I just kind of picked out the one that was just trending and it was crash landing on you. And I have heard certain people mention it before. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, you know what? Let's let's give it a try. And the funny part is because I'm also, I was also uh, locked down with my mom and dad taking care of them too. So I got my mom on crash landing on you. <laughs> Which is the funniest thing. Cute. Because she doesn't watch TV, let alone like narrative stuff. She just watched a lot of news. Okay. But she and I, we just like fell in love with this. And she was like, oh yeah, Yoon Seri and Captain Ree. And it's like, it's it's just so funny and adorable to hear my mom talk about K-drama. Like we're, like we're fanboy and fangirling about it. That is really, really sweet. I didn't know that, that tidbit about that. I love it. Yeah. And... We were like binging too. We're not just, oh, one episode here and there. Because, you know, it's like it's an hour and a half per episode. I think the most we watched was three or four episodes. In and one this sitting. Is like, yeah. And this is with my mom. Aww. <laughs> you know, that's three, four hours. It's like only, it's so That's fun. some and good bonding time. It is. It is. And she's the one who's like, oh, can we watch another one? Can we watch another one? It's like, yeah, sure. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> Love I it. got time to kill. <laughs> Okay, for real, like, I was a later, you had already watched it, right, by the time I watched it? Because I I'm, yes. I am perpetually, if anybody ever listened to Collabcast and heard Marvin school me constantly on pop culture, I have opinions on a lot of things. It does not mean that I consume them at the same time that the rest of humanity does. Um, certain things, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be right there in the thick of it with everybody else. But a lot of things like TV and film... Um, a lot of it, I say the majority, I don't watch until everybody's already watched it. Like I'm usually the latecomer. Mm. I don't know why. I just, I have a lot of other things to do and it blows my mind. I just, I have a lot of, uh, things on my to-do list that I, I guess, prioritize over watching things, which is ironic because I'm a creative and I want to work in the industry, but mm-hmm. I just, I wonder like how people have the time to watch so much. And they're like, Oh, I just watched like a whole show. I'm like, how the hell did you do that? Like, where did you get all the time to do that? And it's kind of like a thing on my agenda to watch more things, especially because of COVID. Um, but I haven't really been successful, except for the fact that I got so hooked on Crash Lighting on You. So it was a big deal on many levels for me, not only to like reunite with K-drama, which we'll get into, but the fact that I watched an entire series before it was already like a year or 10 years old already is like in the world of Minji, a big deal. Which is kind of sad, but whatever. Yeah, to be honest, for me, it's a way to escape. Because, you know, we're in this really, really hard, very bleak time, especially in March, when all the shit kind of hits the fan. Yeah. And this very candy-coated, very beautiful escape fantasy that we call Crash Landing was just like the perfect antidote. It like, really You want to be able to get away from it, from all the bleakness. And I think it really did help. Like, I... I'm happy to say that amongst other reasons, like I haven't really felt depressed or really down this whole lockdown. You know, I just felt I kept my spirits up. That's really lovely. I And I'm curious because, I mean, they made it last year, right? And it came out late last year. Mm-hmm. That's when it like debuted, right? So it already been out for a minute when people watched it during lockdown, right? Yeah, so looking at this, they filmed it, I think, December. 
Wow, and they filmed they, it in December and it got out that quick. That's a or November, fast... December. And then they the last episode was released on February 16th. Yo. Yeah, so they filmed through the winter. And I remember seeing the beat behind the scenes and they were like cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the parkas. Yeah. I'm really curious because I mean, who could have known at the time they were filming that obviously the world would shut down the way that it did? And I'm curious. If the fact that everybody was in this lockdown situation and like honestly in need of something so lighthearted and lovely, I wonder, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder how well it would have done if we didn't have COVID. I still think it would have done well, but like to the extent that it has done well now is is kind of ridiculous. But anyway, like, yeah, I think it's the same thing with like Tiger King. You know, it's like Tiger King, that's not going to. Nobody's going to watch that if it was a normal time. But because nothing else is, you know, you can't do anything else but watch something. Right. Everybody watched Tiger King. So I think with Crash Landing, it's the same thing. It's like they just finished their final episode. So there's already a lot of talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then all these people are starting to get into the lockdown. And then they're hearing from their friends like, oh, what should we watch? What should we watch? Watch this. You know, so you have right. people who are just really avid about it, telling other people, who wants to watch something? It's like, no, watch this movie. Watch this show. I'm telling you, we we know this. If any marketing people are out there, I'm pretty sure that we can all confirm there's there's no more powerful tool to this day and probably forever than word of mouth, right? Like a friend telling you, yo, you oh, need absolutely. to watch this. And you're like a thousand times more likely to watch it. And that really is kind of what pushed me over the edge to watch something that I personally had very little interest in. Um, so, yeah. Good, good on was, all of you for gushing because it really, it worked. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, because I mean, I came into this really blind. Nobody really told me to specifically watch it. I just kind of, I just saw a couple posts here and there, but I really came in blind. Did you hear a lot of things before you watched it? Yeah, you were one. I mean, I probably from you too, but I had just seen more and more Facebook posts, um, Instagram, you know, little cute thingies of like the couple photos. Uh, I think it popped up on my explore page. I don't know. I just remember like it was well into my consciousness before I ever decided to watch it. Because again, I don't go on. If I go on Netflix, I go to watch The Office. Like I'm Ah. that person. Office. The Office is my comfort food, right? So like everything else can be burning around me. But there's something about the familiarity of watching reruns of the show that I love and that I can rely on that I don't have to fully pay attention to and I can kind of keep it on in the background while I work and do other things and like storyboard or work on editing voiceovers or whatever. Like that's the way that I ingest Netflix, not really like scanning through things. I think I personally have like a little bit of paralysis because there's so many options Mm. and maybe I have commitment issues. Maybe like we're just really psychoanalyzing me right now, but I just don't want to get started on something that like, if I already know The Office is great, like, why? <laughs> why bother? And I, I just, yeah, I feel like I have a lot of other things to do. But that's kind of, that's like a later point because I'm really enjoying taking time to watch new things now. It's really different mindset where I'm like, honestly, watching this drama and a couple of their docs and stuff have made me appreciate and being more curious and hungry to watch new things. So I genuinely, like, think this process of letting go of my comfort show even though i still watch it while i'm cooking and stuff i still watch the office but um (laughs) but it's definitely opened up that door 
But I'm curious, like, okay, if you had to sell it, because there's still definitely people, we might have listeners listening right now who have never watched it. They're just listening to us gush about this obscure show that they might have heard about, but don't care to watch it either. How would you describe, (laughs) how would you describe the show? Ooh, okay. So Crash Landing on You is about a South Korean heiress, and she accidentally ended up in North Korea, which, you know, is a pretty dangerous territory for South Korean. And as she tries to escape North Korea, she ended up in the hands of one Captain Rhee. In the arms. Who is a North Korean soldier. Oh, yes. The dashing (laughs) Captain Rhee. And him and his lovable, uh, as the drama beans call it, the ducklings, his little troop, they come and protect her. And at the same time, she also learned about the North Korean life and that, you know, there are really good, genuine people there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, since it's a K-drama, Captain Rhee and Yoon Seri, they fall in love, and it's as if fate brought them there. Ah, and then the story goes, okay, so Soon. one of the things that I felt was the minus against this show was the premise. When I found out what the story was about, I was like, are you out of your G-damn mind? Like, I was like, I'm not watching... I was like, wow, they really have just given up in Korea, haven't they? Like, that was my response of like, they they are out of their minds. They are Yeah, it's a stretch. <laughs> yeah, right? And I think I probably said it to you very vocally. I was like, Joe, are you kidding me? Like, no, I'm not watching this garbage nonsense. Like, I was, I would safely say I was being a hater about it. I was like, that sounds ridiculous and stupid. What is wrong with Korea? Why are they so cheesy? Da, 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 da. And then you and probably other people were just like, no, you have to watch it. Just give it a shot. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad you did. And I'm glad you, you know, trust my taste in films and television. Enough. Yes, yes. No, and you <laughs> honestly, the co- conversations we've had about Parasite, you know, it kind of established, okay, Joe, I see you. Like, you know, I respect your taste and... Fine, I'll give it a shot. And like a couple other friends, you know, everyone's, I was just curious. I was like, I have, I have a free evening. Why not? <laughs> so free evening become like a free week. Oh, and before you know what, you finished it in a week. Did, I finished, how long did it take you to finish it? I think three weeks. Oh, three weeks. Okay. Three, maybe even four. But you don't understand. Again, contextually speaking, for me, that is like, that's like, I, I I competed in the Olympics or some crazy thing. Like, it, that never happens. I usually oh don't gosh. finish anything that fast ever. Three weeks is binging for Menji. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like dog years. It's like, it's a really big year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it I, took me about a week and a half, maybe. A week and a oh, half. Are you serious? You got to do that? Mm-hmm. That's really fast. Oh, yeah. But and that's not even just watching it. I'm... Also, and this is me when I get into shows, I don't just watch it. I read about it, recap. I listen to podcasts about it. So I get pretty drawn in and I kind of understand the stories inside and out too. So you can school me because you know all the insider knowledge on like every aspect of the show then, right? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. It's been a little, it's been a little bit. Well, before, before I understand like, well, what made you so into it? Like, I mean, I got so into it. Like that baffles my mind, first first of all. <laughs> but second of all, like how what 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 about it made you 
such a fan. How would you summarize you know, that? The funny part is that I wasn't so hot with the first episode because you know because Yoon Seri, you kind of met, you meet her and her family, and they're very cold, and you spend a lot of time with them. You spend a lot of time in the south, and then you kind of start meeting the North Korean soldiers, but you don't know them yet. You know everybody's new and you don't know what their personality and chemistry is like yeah and then when they finally meet it's like it's like it's cool but then i think as you get towards the end and especially when you get to the second episode wow and then you really see how the interplay and it's like this is this is gonna be fun the right? way she is with especially chisu pure chisu mm-hmm. you know the yeah. captain yeah i love him and, uh, yeah uh, I'm sorry, not Captain. I can't remember what his position is. But yeah, the Sergeant, Sergeant Pio. Mm-hmm. And just all these little, all these really funny things. It's not just, oh, this is going to be a drama or it's just going to be a romance. It's like, there's some genuinely funny interactions. I laughed so much. Yeah, you can't help just to smile and enjoy it. And then I think once you get to the North Korean village, I think that's when the magic happens. Because that's, very new, you know, it's like, well, you're in a totally new setting that you're not familiar with. And they don't really paint it as super stereotypical, too. I mean, yes, you kind of see, oh, this is probably what it would be. But then you also see a lot of heart with everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what got me. Even more so, and even before Yoon Siri and Captain Reese falls in love, mm-hmm. you really get a lot, you get a taste of what the North Korean village would be like, the lifestyle there. Right. And I heard from what I understand on a very basic level, and you can further educate me on this, but that they they uh, had a lot of defectors that actually helped educate the creation of the show. So they were doing their best not to make it a caricature of North Korea because there's so much speculation and it's such an isolated, you know, I mean, that whole situation is just so sad and very personally. That might be why I was like, again, we'll psychoanalyze it that later but um i i don't know what i was expecting in terms of um witnessing or experiencing north korea through this story but what i heard was that they they did a lot of due diligence to understand everything from the dialect to the lifestyle to like the way people shop and like you know the electricity problems and like all of these these things of like what it's really like there that they did a lot of that homework yes they did a lot of interviews with defectors from yeah. all walk all walks of life, you know they they interviewed former soldiers, former wives, former farmers, students, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the biggest thing is, uh, let's see, Park Jin Un, who's the screenwriter, she was introduced to North Korean uh, defector Kwok Moon Won, mm-hmm. and he actually was an elite soldier in oh. North Korea. Or security team. So he wasn't just like, oh, I'm a civilian. He was actually in the military and he knows the ins and outs. So a lot of the hierarchy, the politics behind the North Korean military force, he knew about it. And in fact, he was assigned to protect the kids when they travel abroad. Wow. Yeah. And then from what I read. Wait, the Kim's as in Kim Jong un? Yeah. And there was something that. He heard, he overheard that he was not supposed to. Uh-huh. And basically they said, oh, you're not supposed to hear that. And all of a sudden his family and his life was kind of in danger. And so that's when he had to defect to Holy South Korea. Crap. Yeah, it's kind of, it was a serious situation for him. 
Now but, the crate, the cool thing is he was also a, he studied in film directing in Pyongyang. Whoa. Uh huh. So whoa. he had that side of it too. So when he came to South Korea, he became a consultant. That's really really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the reality of this industry. I mean, insider thing. But people know. I mean, when people are writing stories. You know, you have a premise, you have an idea of like, hey, I want to write a story about a doctor who falls in love with an equestrian, right? Like whatever you, you, you come up with your premise, but to get the best story, it's best when you have experience and knowledge on that. And you're going to use like what, you know, do your research. And that will also require people to be consultants. And I feel like that's the fun part to me in terms of creating a story would be to like really get into the the meat and potatoes of it, if you will. That's a very non-vegan metaphor. But uh, it's just like understanding the nuance of the experience. And like, I don't know, I, I would love that part of the creation. And there's things that I am writing and want to write that I'm doing, I'm, I'm gathering my consultants and my um, investigation processes so that I can come up with a story that's accurate. And I just feel like it gives it so much life. And that's what I think translated so well in this show. It was a very lighthearted, like very comedic K-drama, right? Like really, really funny. But it was also very grounded too, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I, I think a lot of the characters, if not both, are very three-dimensional. There's not a lot of very stereotypical or caricature Mm-hmm. maybe a couple but for the most part everybody's interesting there's not really anybody who's like oh who is that person i don't remember who that is and like you don't really care or you're not interested in learning about them well Especially i mean they, the people in north korea north exactly they, so they did that so well well i feel like if there were caricatures it was like the south korean family i mean they were they yeah. were definitely like there was kind of an absurd absurdity to the level of villain Mm-hmm. In the that family, yeah, you're right. The villains are probably, if I have to say, are the weakest characters. Mm-hmm. They're not the most fleshed out, especially her family, her brothers. But the villain the in guy. North Korea was really, I thought, well done. That actor, yeah, and he's a famous actor too, from what I read. I wouldn't be surprised. I, his face seems very familiar. Again, my my relationship with like Korean cinema and K-dramas has been limited, but there's something very familiar about his face. So I would not be surprised if he's done like, you know, the be- he's a very, very good actor. This is terrible that yeah. I don't know their names. Hold on. Yeah. And actually there's quite a few good actors in this, you know, Hyun Bin and Son Ye Jin, they're very famous. They're kind of like the, uh, I don't know, the, the Tom Cruise and I can't remember her name. We're very, very much big. dating ourselves. Yeah. And of course, you know that in um, Sodan's family, her mom and her uncle, they were in Parasite. <laughs> were from Parasite. And I love that they're like brother and sister in this. It's so funny. Yes. They're both super hilarious. Yeah. Jung Hye Jin and Park Myung Hoon, who plays the poor mom and the basement man in Parasite. Yeah. They play Sodan's mom. And uh, uncle, and they're so funny. They're just so large, and but they're really, you know, they really have a lot of heart too, which is really cool. See, this is uh, this kind of comes to, I guess, what I had loved slash hated about K dramas is that when so the last one that I watched, 
mm-hmm. was Winter Sonata. Okay. And a lot, that one was like another global hit at the time. So that was like, what, tw- 2004, 2005. And that was with um, Cheju, who makes a cameo in Crash Landing on You as like the idol uh, K-drama actress that one of the soldiers is like madly in love with. And he's just, and he's not like K-dramas and K-pop and everything in Korea is contraband. Like they really, they do everything to block out Western culture. They villainize and demonize capitalism and like, you know, everything related to the South is very like, that's what, that is what is portrayed and uh, communicated so well in this show, in this drama series about like their attitudes or what they are taught to kind of consider to be just bad, right? Like they're not supposed mm-hmm. to appreciate dramas and but there's this one character who's like super all about it but that was the last I, I thought i thought it was so funny that it's cheju because she was like she was the k-drama queen it was her and mm. uh, song Egyo, those two women dominated k-dramas they were like the starlets right and that was the last one that i watched and i just remember that it was a good k-drama but it just went on for way too freaking long i think that one was like I think like 26, 28 episodes long and it should have stopped at like 12 in my opinion. Um, yeah, I think, but and I, then I couldn't understand like why everyone and their mothers was like so into the leading guy because I thought he was like wildly unattractive and uh, they were like obsessed. I was in Korea at that time and like in Itaewon, which is like one of the big malls and marketplaces, they literally mm-hmm. had like, t-shirts and pillowcases with this dude's face on it and like t-shirts and pillowcases blankets postcards everything of like winter sonata like that whole k-drama was just like plastered all over everything and you had all these foreigners shopping and buy like literally hoarding this stuff and i was like what is going on i did not understand it so i think that left kind of like a negative i was like i'm over k-dramas and i don't need to invest myself in something so mediocre (laughs) (laughs) And I'm such a brat, but like that left an impression on me, but that was like the last one that I watched in its entirety. Wow. This is 2002, right? It came out 2000. It was like in its heyday, I think 2004. Mm -hmm. We're like Googling as we, as we talk on this. Oh, it was in 2002. I think I watched it in like 2004 though. Anyway, people were still buying the products because I was in Korea in 2005. Oh wow, that's that's a long shelf life. Yeah, three years later. Yeah, Peongjun. Everyone was in love with this dude. It was this, yeah. and then there was Stairway to Heaven. I watched um, Star in My Heart. I watched Autumn Story. You know, like I watched yeah. all these, and those are great. I still think of those, and I get fuzzy feelings. But yeah, it's yeah, been Stairway quite to a Heaven was the one that uh, that's the one that the one guy was. Well, that really loved Jumok. That's the one that he saw, and he saw uh, the Choi Jiwoo mm-hmm, who was mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, yeah. Again, she was queen. She was absolutely yeah. queen. I guess she no. was the. She was. She was Yonseri before Yonseri. One hundred percent. She was. She was her predecessor, which is I think so sweet that they like incorporated that storyline and had them in the show together. I think it's really mm-hmm. lovely that they did that because that's like yeah, a nice they, little nod, you know. Yeah, and I love I love that they do a lot of wink like that. Yeah, Jumak. It's like, oh yeah, this if this is a K drama, this is what's supposed to happen. It's like, wait, like yeah, even in the beginning, because they said because 
uh, Sonia Jean, she feigned that she had uh, amnesia. And then mm-hmm. that's what Jumak said. Oh, yeah, this is what happened with Sakuri woman. You know, right. when something happens, they get amnesia, <laughs> which that's is a very what... K-drama trope. They they call out all the tropes, and I thought that was so cleverly done. And I think that was a big saving grace because when you're being that like big and crazy and dramatic, if you just did that, like then it's like you you start to roll your eyes. But the way that they think again, they kept it kind of grounded and cheeky and clever was the fact that they called out their own bigness, right? They're mm-hmm. like, well, this is what happens. Like the guy kisses the girl, and then da 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 da. Exactly. So this cute little wink. Okay, I also need to correct myself. I think it was Stairway to Heaven that might have been my last one. Stairway to Heaven was after Winter Sonata. I think I watched Winter Sonata after Stairway to Heaven. So just to clarify, because I, I don't know how many like K-drama fans are going to come at me. Um, oh, no. They're going to correct everything. <laughs> they will. And that's fine. Facts facts matter. But I just remember in Itaewon, there was like tons of K-drama paraphernalia and like there's all these like tourists like going crazy over it. And there's something about it that I was like, this is like a freaking frenzy. Something about it kind of so funny. It was like, I don't get it. But anyway, coming back to Crash Landing on You. Um, yes. You, you really like the ducklings, huh? The ducklings are so funny. I mean, they, they bring the heart. The way they are, the way they get along with each other. And I think it also shows that as much as our our news would like to vilify North Korea or anybody as just this this one block of evil. You know, people still live there. People mm-hmm. who are even soldiers, there are still people. Oh, there are know, innocent and, people. There are so many yeah. civilians that have nothing to do with how bad it is. They're the ones suffering. Yeah. And I think that's in danger of saying, oh, in danger of glorifying North Korean military. Mm-hmm. I think I do still like that they show both sides that there are good people as well as bad people. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, they just gave humanity to it, right? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. You know, there is humanity even in the bleakest place, even in areas where you think there are no humanity or everybody's just out to get people. You know, they're still good, honest human beings. Right. And that's this is like the narrative that I found so meaningful outside of the love story that I was completely obsessed with. And we'll get to that. Um, Mm. But just on a personal level for me and my identity as a Korean American, I didn't know that my family was from North Korea until I was in my late twenties. And I didn't know that my grandmother escaped North Korea. I didn't know that she almost died several times. I didn't know that she was separated from her parents and that she was trying to keep her siblings from dying. Like, and how much she feared for her life. Like that whole narrative, that whole part of my own family history, I didn't know until I think I was like 28 or 29. And so that that just makes me take all of that in in such a different light, you know, because it's not just a story. It's like, these are my, maybe my relatives. I don't know, like the, who extended family. And it just makes everything so much sadder, you know? It breaks my heart because philosophically and ethically and just on a humanitarian level, North Korea is a humanitarian crisis. It is a really terrible crisis that's happening to a whole country of people because of the leadership. And that that's a very small minority. And there are, you know, how many millions of people there that are like suffering because of that, starving to death, right? And so I think that also personally for me, 
made me resistant on a an, on a subconscious level, like to go see something that is going to be made light of, like oh, mm-hmm. like there's going to there's going to do this K drama, and either they're going to cheapen it in some way, or they're going to like, I don't know. I was ready to kind of hate it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Because they and, have to walk a fine line. They have to walk a fine line in presenting the material with accuracy, but also putting their own spin and drama, dramatizing it. Right. But also still being honorable, I guess, you know, being faithful. Right. And I, and like yeah. you said, I think they did a really good job through these really three dimensional characters, the ducklings and the ajumas. I freaking love them. The, oh, the village them. ladies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. are hilarious especially that uh the village president the one that gets drunk <laughs> oh my gosh yeah she's just so she's just hilarious and you know the funny part too because also um the general's wife who's the main uh my young a at first you think that oh she's the one that every that she's the one that everybody kisses up to mm-hmm. you know at first you would think oh she's probably one of the elites and that she doesn't care, blah, blah, blah. And she's just soaking in all these other Ajumas kissing up to her, but she also has a good heart. And I think one of the best thing was when I, I can't remember which episode, like it's somewhat in the middle of it when her, uh, her husband got into, got in trouble mm-hmm. and nobody was supposed to visit her, but then all her friends secretly brought her food and brought her these things, even though if they get caught, they could be in serious trouble too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so was, there's a lot of this camaraderie. Yeah, that's a good way to that's a good word to put it. Camaraderie. Yeah. And yeah, and this familial love amongst people. Yeah. Really shines through here. It was really beautiful. And the fact that she was very prideful and she starts crying and she's like yelling at them. Like that's so Korean. Again, like that was very, again, on a very deep level, really meaningful to me. Because there's this Korean culture that I know that's very South Korean. That's the only Korean that I've known, right? And to mm-hmm. have it depicted in a North Korean uh, setting and storyline where the narrative is about this like foreign country, quote unquote, but it's really showing for someone like me that like has been coming to terms with my own identity my whole life, you know, for like three and a half decades. It was really, really touching. I cried a lot watching this, just like witnessing how much there's like just watching and being like, oh my God, that's so Korean, you know? And like, in there's so many disconnects that you might feel and say, oh, North Korea is like this foreign, bizarro, weird, like communist land. But like to have that humanity part shown so well connected me with like this concept of North Korea and making them more accessible. And the fact that like I'm from there, I don't know. It was really, really deep. I got very moved by that just so i was like oh my god we are the same people right we are oh, yeah. the same uh ways that we disparage people and the pride and the like wanting to like save face all the time and like wanting to help each other out but not bruise someone's ego and like all this stuff i was like oh my god it's so universal i was just crying <laughs> and then when they're in the yeah, marketplace yeah. and there's those kids too that destroyed me oh those little orphans yeah yeah it destroyed me. Yeah, I mean, they just do such a good job with everybody. And actually, talking about how you how you mentioned the difference between South and North Korea, but yet they're very similar. Going off a little tangent, there's a great book that I highly recommend. It's called Pachinko. 
I read Pachinko. I love that book. Such a good book. And it really does remind me of this, like this familial ties that transcends geography and, you know, borders. Mm -hmm. And and understanding the humanity behind the politics, right? I think that's what's Mm -hmm. so key. And that's what they delivered so well, um, is that these are real people. Like we look at all these headlines and we see statistics, but it's a really, really important ability and like superpower, I think, of storytelling to make people care. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like I have I've always cared in a way about North Korea because it's Korea, right? It's part of my identity, my my family, my culture. But I never cared this much. Let me tell you, like the amount that I am passionately like I've never been this interested or like passionate about reunification until it was about Yoon Seri and Captain Ri. I was like, <laughs> why can't they be together? <laughs> like, why can't we just get along? I was crying. Oh, was- and it's not just about them too. It's like when Yoon Seri finally makes it through the other side, but then the whole separation, you Her friends. you do want them to get reunited with the ducklings and with the Ajimas again, you know? Yeah, everybody. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's like I would love for them to see each other again because they really do care for each other. Right, exactly. Yeah, it was Yun Zedia and Captain Ri were number one reason for me, but like everybody else, of course, was included there for sure. It's really yeah. heartbreaking. Oh, absolutely. And of course, you know, at the very end, what Yun Zedia did for the Ajumas with the perfume bottles. Oh my God. Commemorating them. Oh my God. Uh, so, so sweet. And I just love... Because there's also on the narrative side, the fact that like a lot of K-dramas, a lot of stories in general will have all these really negative depictions of these salty, combative, jealous um, relationships between women, which by all means does exist, right? There, There's cattiness and there's, there's just shitty behavior for sure. But like, I love that the bulk of the narrative really kind of came around to show that camaraderie part that you talked about, that it... Mm-hmm. It doesn't end with that. Maybe there were elements in that that caused friction and there was like suspicion and like all these like weird feelings. But I really love how they show the layeredness of like how you can bridge that and actually truly become friends and like show love to each other. And I think it's, it is like family where, yeah, you might fight with your siblings, but in the end, when things really matter, you get together and you gang up and then you know you stand and support each other and i think right. that's what this show this show actually show that's what i love about this show that it shows regardless of what where you live or where you came where you come from when you have that tie and you have that loyalty and that support you know you're there to help each other out right also joe i love the fact that we've talked about crash landing on you this long and we haven't really even started talking about the romance part of it we've been like giving giving our love to the ducklings the ajumas and to the politics of north and south korea which i think is so great and honestly i feel like this conversation could go on for like eight hours and i wouldn't get tired of it but i do we need to talk about yun city and captain ri because though they are not the entirety of the show there's certainly a lot in this show that is so enjoyable besides the romance like I'm sorry. I was all about it. And let me tell you, for someone who has been like not about the K-drama life and like I came back with a vengeance, you guys. Like I came back when I 
can I just marry Hyunbin like right now? Because, <laughs> and I know that you're not into dudes, Joe, but come on. Like he is, is he not everything? <laughs> oh, he cuts a very dashing figure. I mean, he's, he is the man. You know, sorry. Uh, sorry. Oh gosh. What's his name from Crash, from Crazy Rich Asian? Sorry, Henry Golding. <laughs> I Move think Hyunbin captured the heart of most uh, people right now. Oh, he's, you know, he's just beautiful. God. Yeah. Okay. I, I think what's great about it too is he doesn't, he's reserved in a way that shows that, okay, he's a humble guy. He's a good guy. Yes. You know, he's not trying to be more than who he is and he yes. stays true to himself. Yes. Yeah. I and love that so, you're the one saying this because I have a whole, I could go on a, like a whole monologue about it. <laughs> but yes, I want to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, when you think about heroes like in Western media or Western culture, you think about like the loud, the, the one that's the brash or the one that's fighting. Mm -hmm. But you also think about the quiet one, the one that let his action speaks more than his words. And mm -hmm. I think Captain Rhee is the latter. He's the one who doesn't have to say too much, but when it comes to his action, he stays true. And when it comes to protecting his people, right, he stays with that. He He commits to it. Right. He's a very he's a very committed guy. And he's, he doesn't falter. He doesn't he doesn't become wishy-washy or feel like he's going to have to sell his uh his self in a way, you know, he he just believes that okay, this is the right thing. Right. And no matter the consequences, you know, these are the people I will protect. And I love that because it was that narrative is beyond just like the woman that he cares about, which that is so uh, apparent, even though people will watch what he does and don't agree with all his tactics, but they get where it's coming from, right? And I think that's the part that's very, like, admirable and very respectable, right? And, um, even you know, even when he's being mean to her, like, you know that he's being mean to her because he loves her. He's mm -hmm. doing it because... He's trying to protect her and make sure that she's safe. That's what makes it hurt so much more. I was bawling when that scene was happening. Um, oh, towards but, the end in the NSA? Oh my, the NI, yeah. NCS. Again, I've already said this at the intro. If you came here not watching it, you're going to get all the spoiler <laughs> spoilers. But uh, no, that, that completely wrecked me. And again, it was like his character. It was his heart that was very, very consistent and very... Um, just very reliable and very humble, but confident. And it was present in his interactions with her. It was interactions with his family and definitely with his men that he's, you know, the leader and the captain of. It was, I'm saying it, it was so sexy. It was so refreshing to see this, this version of masculinity that was so, it, it didn't need to be, trumpeted in any way it just he just was you know what i mean like he yeah, just in many ways he's just very chivalrous mm. that mm -hmm. kind of old school chivalry that you see from like the superman era that's kind of what he <laughs> is you know he's that korean superman i love that but like that clark kent some people will interpret like superman in terms of like oh the guy who like breaks things and like you know they they kind of like it's kind of like a hyper masculine hyper-masculinized, I don't even think that's a word, but it's kind of like a hyper-masculine version of what it means to be a man, but 
Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you. That's such a Joe. You're such a. You should write. You should write like blogs and make blogs about your critiques on all these things. I think you just summarize things so well and so beautifully. Oh, thanks. I'm just here to fangirl. Uh, you're the one that's like <laughs> just telling us all what it is. I love it. You know, because I, I I like to see what they mean and what these people symbolize in life. You know, and I just find he's just such a good, honorable character. Yeah, but yeah. he also he also doesn't lie about his emotions in a way. Or he he sometimes holds it in, mm-hmm. but then when he speaks about it, he holds it. He holds true to it. You know, one of my favorite scenes is when Yoon said he was kidnapped by his father, and and so he had to go to Pyongyang and find her in his family home. Right. And that reunion, oh my gosh. And also yeah. like his mom saying, telling Yoon Sere, he's like, okay, you, you are actually a good person. You know, I will, I'll make sure that you'll be safe. And then for Captain Ri to talk to his dad and to basically confess how much Yoon Sere means to him. And then for her to walk in and then they have this just gushing wide open floodgates of emotion and how much they mean to each other. And it's just as pure of a love as he can that i've seen it's just like wow it, it got to a point where his dad just kind of like rolls his eyes like oh my gosh which was good because that there there are people who it, there's they always i felt like the show always gave the audience an out because they really push it in terms of like the melodrama like they'll mm-hmm. go and do the like this again this is what i would clown on k dramas is like how many times do we need to look at the same thing from like 18 different shots right and like how many times are you going to spin around this one thing because they really are economical about their shots this is on a creative side right i was like yo they film like maybe they filmed like 10 episodes worth of content but they they do so many flashbacks and they do so many perspective shots that I was like, they get like 16 episodes out of like 10 episodes worth of content that they filmed. And I was like, but it's so good. And that's what I think K-dramas are so great about. And I love that you described it that way. They know how to build on that emotion. And that's, that makes me so proud to be Korean. Like, it's like, wow, they really kind of, they know how to take you on a ride. They know that you're invested in these characters and they allow you to like sit in their moments of angst and their brokenheartedness. And they let you see them cry. And you let them see, you know, they they let you see their like raw emotions and then they hype it up a little bit, obviously, by like drawing it out. And that's the thing that I think keeps everybody on the edge of their seat. I think like that's what kept me on the edge of my seat. I was like, what's going to happen now? Yeah, there's definitely this hyper realism that's in this uh, story. Yeah. It feels like, wow, it's a little bit more than what we're used to, but it still feels grounded. The emotion still feels real. Mm-hmm. Their relationship and the growth, mm-hmm. and even even the danger feels real too. Because I think that's also what really hypes it up. Because they're not just falling in love and whatnot. It's like they're, you know, they're in a very dangerous situation. The stakes are actually life and death, right? And as much as they want to be together, and I think that's also one of the hard parts. Because as much as they want to be together, he knows that ultimately she has to go back to the south, right? And that also tears him apart because he can't fully, fully fall in love with her because he's also going to hurt more. And or what's worse, she may just end up staying there. Right. And then it would ride on his conscience. Like if he didn't do 
because he is a principled man. Like he mm-hmm. knows that he has to do the right thing, which is to get her back. And if he failed at that, then that would screw him up internally too, right? Like even though he might be selfishly happy that she ends up being stuck in North Korea, like that wouldn't, it wouldn't be right for him, right? Like he would still be really distraught at the fact that he didn't do right by her and that she ended up being separated from her family or not living the life that she she wants or or needs or whatever and like that he failed her like he would take it as that yeah it became his duty Mm -hmm. as a military man but also just a righteous man Mm -hmm. it became his duty to make sure she gets home safely Mm -hmm. and he did accomplish that and then he did a little bit more than that too (laughs) (laughs) which is like this is this is what I've really appreciated about Korean dramas and romance, like rom-coms in general, right? Like some people can look at these kinds of movies and these like soap operas or whatever and kind of point the finger and be like, this is why we have such a skewed perception of what love is, right? Um, and that might just be like from heartbreak. And I've been there, you know, you can be like, why do, why do we have all these like happy endings when life is such a dumpster fire and it... When you're in your bad place, right? Like it can mm-hmm. really, those those really beautiful, happy ending um, images and those portrayals of like sacrificial love and true love and unconditional love can be really painful because you're just, you're in the complete opposite place, right? You're in a place of like heartbreak or disillusionment or just being bitter and cynical. And that can make you look at those kinds of stories and be like, this is what's wrong with the world. but even me going through like a breakup and watching it, like it honestly helped for me, like restore love for me. It was like honestly healing for me to watch it. And I cried for a lot of different reasons. You know, I was definitely going through all the thoughts and experiences and feelings that I've experienced, not just with my last ex, but like all of the people that I've ever loved and just being reminded of like how beautiful it is and how meaningful it is. You know what I mean? I actually felt very hopeful about love. Oh. Because I think with this, it's it's almost like this very innocent, almost yes. high school, this pure love. Because if you yeah. notice, too, there's very little kissing. Mm-hmm. There's very little sexiness, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of what you think about romance. And there are some K-drama that's definitely amped it up. You know, I watched something in the rain after this. And, oh, there's some, like, bodies. In that oh, okay, one. I didn't know that. Yeah. I actually yeah, I heard but, rumors, but I have, not, I have not seen it for myself. I would say... The first five episodes is probably the most beautiful romance that I've ever seen between mm. a man and a woman. It's Aww. just so amazing the way they did that. And like this one too, it's just the way they do it. It's, it feels real. It doesn't feel out of character for them. It doesn't feel like it's just hammy or yeah. they're just doing it because it's part of the plot. But you feel that it's natural for them to fall in love with each other. Yeah. And they clown on each other, right? There's like, again, they, they, they did as, as, as over the top, quote unquote, as hearts can be, right? In terms of the high drama, I feel like they really grounded it with a lot of humor and a lot of depth because Yoon Seri, like as beautiful as a woman as she is, like she's super annoying in a lot of ways, which I found endearing, mm-hmm. you know, like the fact that she's so distraught over scented candles, but obviously like she's stuck in North Korea, like homegirl has space to be upset but like she's being like this obnoxious princess but you still kind of you find a way to root for her and and the fact that he falls in love with her even her being this demanding 
self-appointed princess, it like you see how it changes each other and you see how they disarm each other. And it's just so beautiful. Like I completely agree. It was very natural and it felt very real. And that was what was so pure about it. I love that you said it's pure and it's innocent and it's like wholesome. And I think maybe that's what makes it different because there's a lot of depictions out there now that show the messier side of love, which also exists, right? Like the dysfunctional and um, all, you know, all the everything. But mm-hmm. this just, it felt, it felt really nice. It just felt nice. Yeah. And I think it's good because he shows a lot of patience to for her. And at the oh, same time, because yeah. he showed a lot of patience, him being a guy that he's that she's never met this kind of guy because she's you know living in south korea especially where she lived in the gangnam district you know she's probably seen all sorts of rich playboys and of course goo song jung who played the second pairing yeah he was that typical guy he's like this suave playboy good-looking guy who has money and everything but here's a captain Ree. he's just good down to earth you know Mm -hmm. takes care of his people and he's patient and he's just righteous to the heart right but then he also has this like really cute soft side like oh one of my favorite things that they do in this this i still haven't seen on any other shows they do the like post credits mm-hmm. do you watch those the the little uh snippets that they had after the episode ends yeah yeah i love that that was so surprising yeah because they show all uh, especially with captain reed they show a lot a lot of these little soft side of him you know it's like when they when he smiled oh my when god when she got stuck on the plane uh, uh, on the tree branch after she crashed and mm-hmm. then he just kind of looked at her and smiled before he confronts her or when he talks to his little tomato plant i'm sorry that whenever he adorable. smiles period <laughs> yeah. i'm sorry i <laughs> this is like such a different side of me that i'm sure anybody's heard of me on first mm-hmm. of all like we're like a hundred whatever episodes in, but I sound like a 13-year-old because that's how I feel when I think of him. Okay. I legit screamed. I screamed every episode. Every time he was like on screen, <laughs> I would just be like, excuse me, I'm gonna scream right now. I just be like, ah! like I would fangirl legit every episode. And every time that mofo smiles, like angels sing, swear to God, he's just beautiful. I just think he's so beautiful. And yes, Minji has a heart. Minji has a big heart. I am such a little schoolgirl, you guys. Like, I can talk about love and romance for every day till I die. Um, but yeah, for that, again, why I think it was such a blessing and like so fun for me to talk about and why I think it was a very shared feeling that I actually really enjoy like sharing with others is this mm-hmm. collective love that we all felt like this wholesome, uh, like hope and cheering. For this couple, like to and the obstacles that they overcame together, you know what I mean? And it mm-hmm. it wouldn't have felt as big of a celebration, maybe if we didn't have these high stakes and if we didn't recognize all the ways that they had to kind of fight through themselves, fight through like literally the 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 obstacles politically and like life and death and the money and like the borders and their parents and their families and like these horrible villains. It, it was just so wonderful when they finally get those moments together, when they get to have, you know, like just walk next to each other while he's holding that, that wonderful umbrella over her head. So sweet. Oh, yeah. It's and so both sweet. Of them, 
and what's really nice too is like they both sacrifice for each other. They had this selfless love where mm-hmm. he would let her go because that's the right thing. That's the w- that's the way she would survive. Mm-hmm. Or she would stop. She would take a car and stop the bullet to save yeah. his life. Yeah, and because he also did the same thing. He took a bullet for her. Mm-hmm. And so there's this selflessness that they are ready to give their life for each other. Right. And I- it, it, you know, it shows when she, when she was in the ICU and she was crashing, and then he was like, "If I could do anything, like I would never want to meet her again." Because mm-hmm. then she would survive. And then she was like, if I could start it all over again, I want it to be exactly the way it is. Because yeah. then I would have met him. <laughs> and that just shows right like, oh, it's like, that's, that's your teary eye right there. It's like, it's just such a true, true love. I'm going to cry. It's such a selfless love. I know. I feel teary too. It is really, really beautiful. And I think yeah. that they did such a great job. And I think um, it's a good... It's like a really beautiful thing to give the world to feel hopeful in that way and to feel inspired. It's not just hope. I felt inspired to love better because it made me very aware, right? Like when when we see characters, at least for me, when I see characters that um, remind me and they're they're very true to who they are, right? They, they're these three-dimensional characters really going through these experiences and we get to go on mm-hmm. this journey with them. It I think good storytelling makes us all reflect on ourselves. My favorite stories are the ones that leave an impression on me that I'm not only thinking about the intricacies of the how they made this movie and the characters themselves, but it also like literally changes me, right? It makes me remember the time that I felt that way or how I disrespected my mother like that and how bad I feel. Like it makes me reevaluate myself, my my life and you kind of the best stories to me, you come out of them different, you know, you come out of them a little bit more hopeful or more mature in some ways, or just more perspective, you know, in some fashion. And I felt like it, I generally did that. Yeah. I mean, you you went down the rabbit hole, you researched everything. Oh yeah. And of course (laughs) there's a whole thing that comes after this that we will talk about, but you know, I always say that with good stories, one thing I've learned is it makes you ask, like, why should I care? Why should I care about this character, their mm. journey, their troubles? And I think the best ones really make you care about that. And I think the reason you care is because you see a little bit about your life, about your personality, your upbringing, whatever it is in these characters. And you live a little bit part of your life through theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's what I feel too. And you get to see how Yoon said he changed from this cold princess to someone who's just very warm, who readily agrees and accepts that it's not about the material things. Mm-hmm. And she was humbled a lot. You know, there was a point where she had to give up everything trying to get him a birthday present. And he, I think she pawned uh, she pawned her watch, I believe. Yeah, her watch. Yeah, her designer watch. Yeah, so she was doing she was doing all these things and she also made the little Christmas tree for him before mm-hmm. uh, she left, mm-hmm. you know, and it shows that before she did not care about Christmas because it didn't mean anything to her, but she for- found out that it's about the people that you, that you care about. That's what Christmas is about. Right. And I, it showed that narrative that like people are capable of change based on 
not strictly on solely on people change all the time for a lot of different ring, things like whether it's like survival or whatever but I think a beautiful version of change is like when you're inspired to when you are motivated by something as beautiful as as loving somebody to to be a better version of yourself right like it helps you reach for more and it it's like that's such a beautiful thing to witness and that's why I think that that story helped us go on that journey of watching them change and become two better versions of themselves, right? Him being a little bit more open and because, and it it did such a good job because it showed why they are the way that they are. And I thought that was really, really beautiful because it's not the fact that she's just like, she came out of the womb, like a picky little princess. It's because her family freaking has abandoned her and neglected her. And like, literally she was left, she was thrown away by her own mother, right? Or like her, her actual mother, biological mother. But there's like a whole childhood trauma story behind that with uh, Captain Rhea and his brother and the guilt that he feels like there are reasons why we as people change all the time for better or worse. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not like that just happens in a vacuum and that there's a narrative that's love is healing. Love allows you to, to rise above that and kind of like transform out of that pain and to like be vulnerable again and be hopeful again, because otherwise you know, for very good reasons, you could just stay isolated. You could stay closed off to self-protect and just avoid pain. Um, that's what I loved so much about. That's like, I, I thought a lot about that, about my own ways that I've been guarding myself and reflecting on all the beautiful ways that even painful relationships really did make me a better person. Like, that's what I thought a lot about. Yeah, I think love... When I saw it from a crush, I think it's about opening, about forgiving, about mm. letting go, about mm. moving on. Mm-hmm. I think that share it shows a lot with different people. You know, with uh, Yoon Seri and her mom, yeah, she was able to forgive and then be able to let each other forgive each other. With yeah, with the company, uh, with the ducklings, she was open. She opened up to them and really genuinely cares for them. Mm-hmm. And you know the things that she do, she did for them was just amazing. And of course, with the Ajumas too. Yeah. So I think it shows that, and even with her, her employees, you know, she was so much nicer to them. Right. And I think that's the best thing. Like her growth really shows a lot of maturity and a lot of. It's just like really good arc. Yeah, she I agree. really grew up, grew the most out of everybody. She really did grow. And I do think that even though she went through this tremendous growth, it wasn't contrived and it wasn't like too much. Cause you're like, Oh my God, like that would never really happen. Like I really believed it. I was like, wow, she did just, just kind of blossom and become mm-hmm. a warmer person. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, Joe, because I do want to, I I'm thankful that you're like open to talking about it because there are things that happen post class landing on you. That is, you know, another element to this storytelling uh, this aspect of that story, which is about fate, right? And about oh, yes. timing and and serendipity and synchronicity. Because I'm a very big believer as like practical as I, I don't know. I, I personally look at myself as like, I'm the biggest romance, like hopeless, hopeful romantic that there is. But a lot of people look at me and be like, oh, you're all like business or I don't know. Again, it's not, it's none of my business what people think of me, but I've heard that they're like, oh my God, you're such a like, you're such a like, giddy little middle schooler. I was like, yeah, I am. (laughs) Um, I'm a huge advocate and believer in 
fate and destiny and uh, yes. and and powers that are mysterious and like bigger than us and all these like opportunities it's not necessarily ironclad like we all have free will but there are beautiful moments that we're able to have when we kind of let the world do its own beautiful work so if you will um i would love to hear your thoughts on like because you talked to me about fate um that theme from the show and then like how that showed up in your life oh yes and of course for those who've seen the show switzerland was a big deal because that's where all the fate happened mm-hmm. there and when they talk about star-crossed lovers those who met in past lives or in past events and occurrence and maybe they're not they didn't know that they've known each other back then so mm-hmm. in so in the show they met each other in switzerland at the bridge at a couple other places she heard him playing the piano this one song that was for his brother and it was the only time that he played it in public. And she knew that song and nobody else did. And he knew that he played it for her. And that's one of those connections. So with me, and this is kind of the crazy part about going, transitioning to my own life. So to frame it up, in my film industry, I'm very, very busy. I'm traveling all over the world. You know, I do a lot of things. Every shoots from two months in Fiji, a month and a half in the Maldives, and then to Dubai, to to Monterey, Mexico, all sorts of places. So I'm usually very out and about. And romance has always been a little tough because I'm so dedicated with work. But when COVID-19 says, you got to stay home, you know, <laughs> we're all just locked down. And so after watching this, and also after watching Something in the Rain, which is also such a beautiful romance that got ruined by all the conflict that happened in the second half of the of the show. Mm-hmm. I I fell in love with love, and you know that having that um, having that hope that love can happen. And so around May nineteenth, I was on East Meet East, which is if you guys don't know, it's kind of like. Tinder or Bumble, but it's mostly Asians, Asians and Asians, East, meet East. And I talked to this one girl. And we just kind of hit it off pretty fast. Within a couple of days, we swapped numbers. And we start texting. And this is this is how crazy it is. We start texting at 1.30 in the morning that Thursday, so several days after. And by 4.35, about 4.30, we stopped because it was getting late and we were hearing the morning. And we already texted over 550 messages. <laughs> That's in the span of three, four hours. Yeah. That's how much we got along and just like connected. I was like, oh my gosh, I never connected with somebody this fast, let alone someone I've only seen pictures of. Mm-hmm. And it was just so amazing. And so she told me the next morning, hey, she left, she disconnected from East Me East after we connected. And I did the same too. Like I pretty much dumped all my dating app, online dating app. Mm-hmm. And because, and then we just keep on talking to each other so much that like we were just on it. We ended up talking on the phone too. And the one thing that just kind of took it to another level, several days after we started talking, she told me about a dream that she had. So she had a dream where I was helping a bird that was stuck in my house. 
It was mm-hmm. a bird that was stuck in my house, and I had to gently free that bird so it could fly free. This was the Saturday or Sunday after we first started talking. Mm-hmm. The crazy thing is that the day right before we met online, that exact thing happened. And there's no way she would have known about it. That you actually got a bird. Yeah, there was a bird that was actually in my house. And I had to help it free. And she dreamt about it like a week later or several days later. And that was just one of the crazy coincidences that we had. Like the more we talk, the more we find out about our lives and whatnot. You know, we have, we share several things that's very much in common. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually the kind of funny thing is like, we went on several first dates recently and we've dressed up so far. We've gone on five dates and pretty much all of them we've somehow matched <laughs> in our clothes. Like, he's like, Oh, you're wearing dark blue. Wow, I'm wearing dark blue too. It was, it's just kind of hilarious. Yeah. But th- there were other moments where fate, our Switzerland just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. The craziest one I would say is I watched Hamilton recently and oh, we saw so about musical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great show. It's a great mu- musical. And we talked about some of our favorite ones and we talked about Wicked. And I've only seen it once. I've seen it in 2011. I looked it up like, oh, December 8th, 2011. Mm-hmm. And then she looked it up also when she went and she was at the same freaking show I was at, December 8th, 2011. We looked at our Ticketmaster receipts and everything. It's like, oh, she was sitting at Orchestra Center and I was sitting Orchestra Left Center. It's like, what? <laughs> That's just the the probability that's just kind of insane. And then that in is 2017. Insane. Yeah. And then in 2017, we also were in Vancouver between July 1st and the 3rd. And then we went to Washington afterwards and Portland. That whole time that we were there. Separately with our own families and whatnot. We're in the same cities. I love it. Yeah. So, uh, and I think that's just one of the coolest thing about it. It's like, and I have to say, it's just, you know, after watching these series of K-drama, I feel like I'm living my own K-drama. You are. That's, that's when you're telling me about it. I was like, oh my God, Joe. Like, I I guess for me, I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. So I'm just... There's there's people that I've told about like certain signs or whatever, and they don't kind of have the same reaction. Like it'll be a little bit like, oh whoa, that's weird. And I'm like, it's not weird, it's fate, you know. <laughs> and uh, I don't get like quite the reaction. I was just personally for me when I was like, Joe, you're living it. You're getting, you know, your 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 synchronicities, and it made me so excited for you because that's such a beautiful blessing, you know, to to be able to experience that. And not everybody. Um, gets to have that, you know, I'm not saying that it's like a given, but I also believe that sometimes it's not necessarily just everybody who believes some people who have no belief in miracles or like fate or whatever, they still experience it. But I think it's a lot more fun when you are open to it. And then you're like Mm -hmm. pleasantly surprised. And I also just want to note because you and I had talked about it and I was like, it was just so sweet. You know, I was really happy to hear you. So happy. I could hear it in your voice. Like, how excited you were, how um, how just like tickled you were by the whole thing. You're like, oh my God, Minji, this is happening. I was like, oh my God, just enjoy it. That's so great. <laughs> but also it's like the fact that you were, we were also talking about before any of this was also just about self-growth, right? Like about 
because we were doing our Google Hangouts and we we're for my Patreon, like people who know, like I have my Patreon and we, during quarantine, we've been hanging out every week. You know, it's become like our safe space in our therapy group. But yes, I love it. Yeah. And you're just sharing so much. And I really want to commend you and like you're running every day and doing yoga and like you're really doing a lot to put good energy into yourself and out in the world as well. Right. I think that's what helped too. You know, I felt when the lockdown happened, I could go either way. I could just be someone who collapses, turn myself inward, mm-hmm. ignore the world or whatever it is. But I chose to, you know, I got to work on my fitness. I got to work on my uh, my health. I ran. I was running twice a week around 10 miles a day, uh, 10 miles of average. I was doing yoga. I was doing insanity workout. I was, I had a life coach since the beginning of the year. So mm. that was awesome. Yeah. And that really helped a lot too. So I think part of it, I think the thing with fate, you have to be aware, open, and ready for it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it, you kind of have to meet halfway with it. So, me preparing myself really helped a lot, you know, mental, mentally and physically, emotionally, spiritually. Yeah. So then when I didn't meet this lovely lady of mine, we were in the right place. I was in the right place. She was in the right place. And she was very busy too. It's like if it wasn't for COVID-19, the lockdown, she would have never got on the online dating world. And I would probably still be like somewhere, somewhere filming something. Right. But yet, the lockdown forced us to sit our ass down, <laughs> find things to do, and you know we somehow ended up on on East Meet East. And she said I was the fifth person who contacted her. She oh she created the account that night. I was mm-hmm. the fifth guy. Mm. And what I said, she had a Helen Keller quote. She didn't even have much on her uh, profile too. She just left it blank. And you know most people they oh how's your day blah blah blah. But I commented on her Helen Keller quote. Mm-hmm. And that just sparked up a conversation. And till this day, we talk constantly. We we did a six-hour Zoom date, our very first day. We did several long Zoom dates. And then, you know, we've been on five dates. And each time we're spending the whole day. And we're not going mm-hmm. anywhere crazy fancy. We're just literally like, hey, let's go to this park, have a picnic. And we were able to spend so much time. And I've never had a relationship that felt so effortless. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's like you just feel like this is the right one. You feel, you know, you connect so easily. And yeah, it's it's almost unbelievable. It's almost like someone written this story for me and then, you know, allowed me to be the lead on it. <laughs> I love it, Joe. You're the you're the leading you are the leading man. And I yeah. think I, I've done a a lot of um self-discovery process uh, if anyone listens to this podcast you know that I've, I've been going I've been going in and mm-hmm. um I'm certainly not done I don't think anybody's ever done right till the day we we die and we, we're not here conscious on this earth anymore I think it's always a constant learning process because we're moving into the next versions of ourselves um but I'm definitely kind of like what you said like COVID was a really unique way for me to go inside and like learn about myself, like view myself through a different lens, be forced to slow down in a lot of ways um, to be alone and to like, in my opinion, learn how to level up as a person um, because I didn't have the same vices or the same distractions anymore. Um, And then that, like, 
I, I, I call it the same thing. I feel like it's a preparation of self to align with somebody else that really flows. I don't know. It's just like it flows, you know, it feels nice and you're inspired and it's not like you're, you're having to like force anything. Not to say that relationships don't take work. Like it's not to like mm-hmm. paint it in this like overly idealistic light, but at least you feel like it's worth that effort, right? It's not like all effortless. Like you still have to deal with the fact that you're both busy people. You're both professionals. You both have your respective families. You're both still, you know, we're all still dealing with this pandemic. It's not like everything's easy peasy, but at least it's worth going through those hurdles and, and experiencing that together. Yeah, and I don't want to put words in your really mouth, have, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we really feel we have each other's back and mm-hmm. that we really feel true to each other you know and it's it's funny because i learned from watching crash landing on you what otp means do you know what otp means no one true pairing where did that come from <laughs> it's from k-drama <laughs> <laughs> another another gift from k-drama okay OTP. seriously it's like otp one true pairing you know it's like the two the male or i mean the uh, the two leads that are fated to be with each other Mm-hmm. And so we joke around like, yeah, we're each other's OTP. I, was, I told her like, yeah, you know, we're like each other's penguin because penguins, they mate for life. Mm, cute. So we have a lot of cute names for each other. Like, because when we first started talking and then she talked about she doesn't take a lot of group selfies and everything because she feels like she poses like a potato. And then so I have this whole cute little thing calling her my sweet potato. That's cute. And, yeah. And then <laughs> she she knows I love mango and sticky rice. So she said, oh, you're my mango. Love. Yeah. I love we it. Have, we have so many cute little lovey-dovey ways that we, these affectionate things that we say to each other. It's like, she was like, oh, well, you know, just keep, put me, put me in your pocket so I could travel with you and see the film sets that you travel in and work in. And I think that's when it's really, really great when you could have these inner monologues that these funny little sayings to each other that makes you giggle. Yeah. We send each other tons of little funny loving stickers and whatnot. So yeah, we could be doing nothing and we still, we could just enjoy the heck out of each other. We went to solving. Okay. Get this. We went to solving pretty late a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. We left at one. We went there, stayed for two hours and came back. But it was still like a full day because we, it wasn't just, oh, we got there and we spent time there. It's like, no, we, we spent the whole ride up and we spent the whole ride back. Mm-hmm. And we just talked about all sorts of silly things and enjoyable things, serious things, deep things. And it just flew by so fast. So, and I think that's when, you know, there's just so much substance yeah. in our lives. And I, I feel the same thing, you know, in, in many ways, like with, Crash landing, you know, spoilers. In the end, they can't be together in Korea or South Korea. So they end up in like, they end up in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. I, I think with us, we would end up with each other no matter where we would be. You know, it's like if we had to move here and we had to move there, or we, one of us change our lives, both of us change our lives, you know, we would still be together. I love it. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think um, as, as I've become a grown up, right, and I faced the realities of, of practical um logistics right and and the administrative parts of life and the things that 
are quote unquote out of our control. They are, you know, they're things that we can't control, period. And I mm-hmm. think it's that it's having like, I think it's the element of faith of just trusting that things will work out. And that's a very, very difficult thing to do. It's not a, you just have to trust. I mean, yeah, you could simplify it be like, you just have to trust that things will work out as they should. Um, mm. I don't feel like that's necessarily passive because having faith is a very courageous, active thing to do. And once you surrender to that and you have faith, like there are miracles that can happen. There are really beautiful things that can happen. And you're an active participant in that. So I don't feel like yeah. it's just like, oh, let me just float. It's like, no, take care of yourself. Do the very best you can to kind of draw the best energy, the best opportunity, the truest version of you. And I think then it's like you will, those those destiny elements, those fateful things will align with you. Does that make sense? I don't know if I even know how to articulate it. I'm still like formulating it in my mind, but that's the way that I I look at it. Oh, it's funny. We actually just talked about that today because she asked me a question. Do you, which one do you believe more, fate or free will? Mm. And so I said at first, well, free will. And then the more I thought about it, I think it's like you have to think about both. Because I think the problem with free, with fate, people mistaking it as if it's a very, like you said, passive, as if you are, you are, you just can't get away from it. So you don't do anything about it. Right. And free will, what I like about free will is that you get to actively participate in it. And even if fate has its ends in it, you know, you still feel like you're doing something and that you play a part of it. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of why it's both in my, in the way I look at it. It's like, yes, maybe perhaps there are things in the universe that push you in one way or push you the other way, but you still going to have to meet it halfway. You still got to be open to it. You still got to be, when it presents itself, you got to be able to recognize it. Yeah. And be able to take it. And receive so many, it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many ways that we could have never even met. Mm-hmm. Whether or not we decided, oh, you know what? I'm not going to create a Ease Me Ease profile. I'm not going to log in and I'm not going to click on her link and send a message. Because it's very much, it's just as easy to just put a smiley face, you know, send her a smiley face and that's it. And she probably would have ignored me. Right. Yeah. And it's funny too, because she said like, man, thank goodness you didn't put the name Joey because I had so many bad Joeys in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Just things like that. Or even like the the fact that I have a mid- a mid shot of my profile. So it's not just like a close up of my head. Yeah. She, she saw like half of my body. And she said that actually caught her attention because everybody else that messaged her, this is like profiles of their face. Interesting. And somehow mine was just different enough. And of course, what I said too. Right. But yeah. So that's why you will. can't like formulaically, oh, if you just do X, Y, and Z, like this is how it's going to go. It doesn't work that way. But there are things that you can do that, Again, if you took any one component out, who knows like how differently things would have turned out, right? I look at a lot of the different people that I've been so lucky enough to like be in love with or have in my life, whether that's even romantic or not, even just with like collaboration, right? With like, if my friend didn't send me, it wasn't even my friend, it was my ex. It was my, my boyfriend at the time was the one who sent me that video of PK, right? And if I hadn't mm-hmm. dated him at that time, and if he hadn't sent me this giant video file, right? At the time where like internet, we didn't have YouTube. And like, he sent me this video to like share this funny Korean American comedian. I don't know when I would have discovered collab, right? Maybe I would have discovered collaboration at a different time in a different setting where 
I was already far along in my career and I wouldn't have, you know, been so passionate about it to start the San Francisco chapter. And then, you know what I mean? Like, who knows what one degree difference would make in changing the trajectory of everything. And I wonder about those things. And there's times where even though there are things that have been painful or not worked out the way I quote unquote, the way I wanted it to, I I have enough recognition at this point in life to look back and be like, things happen the way that they should have, I think. And I even, I don't even like that word should, but I'm grateful at the end of the day that things worked out the way because I look at enough reasons why certain things had to happen for me to learn certain things. Right. Yeah. And also with the future, again, things that give me hope and give me faith that like, if I just do my best to take care of myself and have that self-love part, again, as cheesy as that sounds, it's like you're setting yourself up for success, right? The more alignment, a lot in alignment that you are with yourself, the more you're set up to like receive these really beautiful blessings. I feel like like that's when these beautiful loves and these friendships and these job opportunities or whatever it is will like emerge and you'll be able to recognize it. Yeah. You you see it. Yeah. You know, and I think relationships are meaningful. I think the things that you choose to do, not do your decisions are meaningful. Even if you may not think it is that Mm -hmm. moment, Mm -hmm. it just has a domino effect. You know, that chaos theory, like this little thing that you've done here. In fact, for me, getting into the film industry was just something that came because I decided to go to the LA Asian Film Festival. Mm. And I met a couple of people who had their films there. We became friends. We shot some things. I was a photographer. And then that introduced me to shooting on set. And that introduced me onto the music video side of things. And that got me into the photo- the film side. And now I've done so many travel. Like I've done about a dozen fi- feature films. You know, I work with Oprah. I freaking work with Oprah. How awesome is yeah. that? Like I, I would never have thought I would have worked with Oprah. I work with BTS. I did one of the music video. How crazy is that, right? So it's like it's all these things didn't just happen because it just happened. It's because all the things that happened before leading up to that mm-hmm. is the reason why it's going to be like that. And there were there was really no other way that it would have happened if somewhere along the ways I made a different decision and go right. to a different path. But and who knows that path might be even better, might be even worse. And I think that's kind of where the fate and free will crosses. It's like you 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 make your decision, but then you also know that it can lead you somewhere. And things that happens, you know, it could be fate, it could be an invisible force that's drawing you towards that. Right. And you just got to be open enough to make that decision. I love it. Yeah. Joe, you're so poetic. I I hope that, honestly, I I feel very inspired by our conversation. And I really, really, I just hope that whoever's fortunate enough to listen to all the things that you've said feels the same of feeling that that level of hope and openness. Um, Because it's not just hope. It's also just like empowerment. I think it's its own form of empowerment. Like, you know, you can influence your life and then also have fun in watching it unfold. Because it could totally surprise you. Yeah, I think I think that's why it's like you you choose to do the things you do with your life, mm-hmm. but you also put meaning behind your life. Yeah, you know, you decide it's like you know what, there is more to my life. There's more that I could I could be that I could present myself in a better way. 
mm-hmm. and that can hopefully open up more doors. I love it. And I'm really, really happy as we close out this episode. That was so fun, by the way. Um, I'm really, really happy for you and your lady. And mm-hmm. I'm just, it, it really warms my heart that you're so happy. Like I can feel it from you, from wherever you are, through the, through the airwaves. Um, and, you know, like just, I, I said it before, I'll say it again. It's like, just enjoy it. It's such a beautiful time to like really fall for somebody and to um, bond with them and like connect the way that you do. And it's really, it really is a blessing. And if there's anything that this whole quarantine and insanity that is 2020 has taught us, it's like those things, uh, they were never meant to be taken for granted to begin with, but especially now, like, let's Absolutely. not take that for granted. Yes. Live in the present. Enjoy the moments that you have. Yeah. Enjoy the journey. Yeah. You know, and don't take things for granted. For sure. Absolutely. And to all my yeah. singles out there who are single as the day is long and we're in the summer and the days are long. But I still like I truly believe in love. And even if you're single and unattached and don't have like a soulmate or whoever that's particularly present in your conscious waking life. That's okay. And we're surrounded by love. And I I honestly think that energy, like really like attracts like and putting yourself in a place of appreciation and hope and surrendering to kind of like where the beauty of life can take you is just, again, setting you up for receiving more love, whether that's a romantic love or whether that's more beautiful friendships or like a richer relationship with family or especially with yourself. Um, like there's just ways to enjoy that same feeling. So I'm just sending love out to the single people out there because you might not have like a significant other, but there's ways to appreciate that love and and honestly live vicariously through things like crash landing. I swear to God, it just was so fun. I love their love and I was very grateful to experience that. I'll be more open. You know, it's honestly made me be like, Minji, stop being such a hater. Shut it. You are totally shocked and like pleasantly surprised. Like let other things in life surprise you the same. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's good to have less cynicism, be mm-hmm. more happy and be more optimistic about life. For sure. Know? Yeah. And yeah. I and genuinely way, care about the politics. I want I want people to yes. see their family. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, it's like in the end, you know, the reason we do care about the politics and everything is because we do want the better things in life. Mm-hmm. for our family for each other for our society and so mm-hmm. it's good to care for those things too yeah yes joe this was so way, much Minji, fun yeah oh, oh i was gonna say you are my first podcast that i've been on i've never been on a podcast before oh i'm honored i'm very Pop very honored podcast cherry yeah and you're very well spoken and such a good speaker joe i hope you speak on more i invite you back on this like who knows we'll watch another k-drama and I'm going to need you to break it down again. I swear, you're really good at, like, anal- analysis. I mean, again, we've talked privately in message about Parasite and 1912 and, like, Jojo Rabbit and all these other movies. Like, so I'm not surprised. But this is really fun. And I, I hope that you'll come back on first of all again. Oh, for sure. For sure. Because we didn't even talk about the second theme, second romantic leads either. Oh, my so God. Down in Gusong, June. Oh. Okay, you have 30 sec- you have You have 60 seconds. What do you want to say about <laughs> the second couple? Okay, so controversial, um, you know, it's a little controversy, but I actually like their romance a little bit more than the romantic first. Really? Just Why? Because I think in the end, there's almost this, they held back so much 
and they really have to grow so much basically have to let go so much of their own past and then they just they just embrace each other so much at the end like because I, I think it's with uh captain Rian and yun city you see mm-hmm. it through the whole thing you see right. the growth and the sustain right and in south korea you kind of see almost like a little domesticated life but then with so Dan and gusong jun they had to really grew grow into it and then finally finally when they let everything go they open their hearts for each other it gets snatched away i know that was and that was really sad the tragedy of it really makes you feel for them so much more absolutely i really it yeah. was very very heartbreaking and also uh. sidebar i think like it's a it's like a given prerequisite if you want to be a k-drama actor or actress you have to be able to cry like beautifully like i mm-hmm. just there's so much crying and it genuinely spoke to me i have to say it's just because i cry so much in in my regular waking life and it kind of was comforting to see that there are other people who cry a lot as well because there's a self-consciousness that I have sometimes that like I'm so emotional, but everybody else seems to be so fine, which I know isn't true that everyone has their feelings. But um, again, they just don't maybe need to release it the same way. But it was very comforting. But I was like, damn, they're really, really beautiful, even when they cry. And that is not how I look. So. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, your girl's going to have to stick to like regular content. And I'm not qualified because I could never cry that beautifully for a K-drama. Aww. Uh, just watch more K drama. I know. Think back about Captain Marie whenever you're in that scene where you have to really cry. Oh my god, uh, I think about him all the do. time. I and I talk, and I've <laughs> I've clicked on so many K drama fan pick thingies that he's a regular in my um my Instagram explore section. So oh my god, I am blessed. Yeah, yeah. Is your phone wallpaper of Captain Marie? It is Kingdom? not. It is not. Yeah, right. But I'm. Yeah, right. You know what? Joe, you might have just given me like a good idea. <laughs> um, yeah, but before we go, uh, if people want to follow you, do you want to plug your Instagram or anything? Yeah, you can follow me on my Instagram. That's really the big thing for me. It's Joe Gunawan, G-U-N-A-W-A-N, 616. Joe Gunawan, 616. You have really beautiful shots from your work and everything too. So keep an eye out. And hopefully Joe and I can collaborate because I want to make things, especially now, like... I know. See what we can film. Yeah. Yes. We'll do yes. it. Well, so thank you, you so much. Stay safe, wear a mask, follow mm-hmm. social distancing so we can all finally get through this and enjoy a more normal life. Mm-hmm. If the rest of the world can do it, us Americans, you know, we could probably do it too. Yeah. And let's also just own up to the fact that we're the worst. <laughs> so bad. We're the best at being the worst. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Well, Joe, thank you so much. This was so, so much fun and uh, look forward to having you back again. For sure. I'll see you on the Patreon Hangouts. Yes. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in for this week's episode of First of All. Thank you to Joe for being such an amazing guest. We hope you like this discussion on Crash Landing on You, K-Dramas, Fate, Love, and all the wonderful things. Please go check out more of Joe's stuff and uh, follow his journey as he creates more amazing art 
with great storytellers, maybe including yours truly. Who knows? And uh, yeah, I'm a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. If you'd like to check out their podcast, there are so many Asian American storytellers and podcasters in that uh, crew. And there is a K drama focused one that you might enjoy. And I will probably come back with another K drama one as soon as I you know, break my loyalty to Hyunbin and Crash Landing on You and I watch another one. Who knows when that will be? It might be another 15 years. It might be like 15 weeks or days. I don't know, but stay tuned. You can find First of All Podcasts on Google Play, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, and everywhere else that you can find podcasts. And thank you to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer. Thank you so much for working with all of this remote nonsense, Marvin. You're the best, and I really appreciate you. Thank you to Run River North for use of their song. Pretty Lies for the intro and outro. Totally loving this song. I am writing a short film using this song. So, so many things. I'm going to put little nuggets in my outros just so that people tune in and uh, they don't like click off or <laughs> change to the next episode as soon as the outro beeps in. Because that's what true fans will learn. You're going to find out tidbits about me in these. Anyway, yeah, I love all of you guys. If you'd like to hit me up, Uh, email me first of all pod at gmail.com you can follow me at first of all pod on uh, on instagram my personal page is at minjeezy and what else am i missing working on my website it's a little bit of a under construction situation but check out first of all pod.com i'm also adding the first of all pod.com i'm figuring it out just look at my link tree on my instagram guys it'll be there And I love all of you. Have an amazing week. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Kathy, Kim. Steve, what's going on? Tell me, what do you know about K-dramas? Oh, um, they have something to do with the drama that comes from K-cup coffee pots? Because you know they're bad for the environment? Uh, no. Oh, you mean Korean dramas? Yeah, I know that they are very grounded in reality. No, that's actually the opposite of what happens. It, it sounds like you don't know anything about K-dramas. Yeah, I was just guessing. That's actually perfect. Remember Will, Phil, and Joanna did that Korean drama podcast? Yeah, they saw Boys Over Flowers. Yes, and people apparently listen to it and want another season. But Will and Phil are still recovering from that season. Oh my god, are they okay? I did hear they tried to give themselves amnesia. Oh, is that a K-drama thing? Yeah, pretty much. So, are you guys down to help out with the new season of the Korean drama podcast? So we're going to be watching a K-drama this time? Which one? Secret Garden from 2010. It was a big hit. And if you're down, check out the Korean Drama Podcast at koreandramapod.com. Kaja! Am I going to see sauna towel buns?